Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Thank you, Commissioner, for joining us today. Um, this is what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to look back and look forward because with your expertise, uh, your experience, uh, your uh, legacy with the police department. You have a lot to offer to this police department as well and the advice going forward. I know your interest is in youth and before the pandemic sort of interrupted everything, this was a hallmark of yours. You had seen something in your career, you worked a lot in the Bronx, that you felt very strongly, you went to the mayor and said, I want to do things for young people. What do you want to see happening with young people in this city and what is the contribution of the NYPD or how does the NYPD have relations with young people in the city? Yeah, I don't think, Julia, thanks for the question. I don't think anything's more important for a lot of different reasons, right? Um, I, th I think it comes out of a period of, of I just finished 30 years with the police department and you see what works and what doesn't work um, and I and I just think that you know if we want to get where we want to be as a city, and I think I think that it's been a crazy time with a lot of loud voices, but 99.9 percent .9 of us we all want the same thing, and we want to move the city forward and have a better life for people. I think breaking that cycle of poverty and giving opportunity, and I think we got to focus on the kids. I, I thought. When I came in in late 19, you got to go back to what we were going through. We, we had achieved, um, I think, something you know incredible in terms of the lowest crime. We were putting some people in your field out of business. There was no crime to talk about in New York City. There was days of no shootings, and we had the lowest incarceration. So you're going to hear me say that over and over. We had every police department in this country coming here saying how are you doing it it was the perfect time to really dig in and make i i think uh you know a real difference that was going to push that even further by tackling you know the fact that there are still parts of the city where kids don't have the same opportunities and how do we do even more to identify them and to work with them and to put them on the right path. So that was that was my thinking back then. I'm very proud of all that we've done um, with kids across this city. Um, absolutely, the NYPD has to be a part of it. I think that if the NYPD is the only one doing it, and I'm not saying they are, 
but if that was the case, we'd be failing already. So I, I think there's an incredible opportunity for for all of us, for certainly for the next mayor, um, and and for very smart people to you know get in the room together as a city, not as an agency, and say what are we currently doing, what's working, what can be done differently. You think of the resources in New York City. I don't think the resources are, are ever the problem. I think there's amazing resources available and money spent. But is it is it getting the results that we need, and is it as efficient as possible? Are, are you know sufficient levels of collaboration? I, I would take this position. There's a known quantity. It's the kids. So whether it's the kids in Brownsville or one building or one development or in three boroughs, who are we trying to work for and help? And then bringing all the partners together to surround them. Somebody's got to be in charge. This is, I think, some of the frustration at times. If it's a PD event, um, but we don't have access to all the information, you're kind of tying a hand behind your back. Uh, you were the data guy. You know, you're talking about coordination. You you were the data guy. You came in with the crime stats. You know, before you became commissioner, you, know, you were chief of detectives. So you've been on all these levels here. Um, what is happening with crime in New York? We've seen the index crimes rise. We've seen hate crimes really skyrocket. Uh, shooting is always the issue. You're tackling that. You're having these meetings daily on this. What do you see as this trajectory? How do you tamp that down? How do you deal with it? And what does the future mayor have to do here and a future commissioner? It's such a and nothing that's happening is surprising me in the least. In, in fact, I, I think I've told um, elected officials, New Yorkers, you know, I've certainly done it internally. This isn't surprising to us on the PD side. We've known, you know, uh, essentially, you know, the path we've been on here for some time. Um, it is complicated, Juliet. Um, politics is involved at this point. There's no denying that. And, and um, I, I would take a few steps back and just say to people, the criminal justice system is incredibly complex and fragile. And when you make changes to it, you better be damn sure you have contingency plans and good plans in place and thinking about all the things that could happen, not what you think is going to happen. Um, you heard me say a moment ago, lowest crime and lowest incarceration. And not perfect, because we were seeing some, some smoke signals. We saw some minor, you know, quality of life issues. But do you... Do you you know, do you step on the gas and start issuing, you know, loads of summonses or making arrests to address the quality of life, but you, you hurt the community in some other way? So I think we were doing a good job. So what do you attribute to the this hate crime uh, spate and really a consistent level of hate crimes? Is it pandemic related? Is it just... You know, the fabric of society is starting to fray. What do you, what do you think is going on there? Well, I, I think, you know, you mentioned hate crimes. The, f the focus for us is always the shootings, but we care about it all. We do. Um, it's changes in the laws. It's, it's, you know, driving the incarceration levels down purposefully, but without adequate 
plants. Um, you know, mental illness is a huge problem in New York City right now. There's no denying it. Um, you mentioned the pandemic, and each layer of this that you mention is part of the problem because people are saying, well, it's not this, it's this. It's, and, and they're right to a degree. There are many layers to this, but, you know, you know what I'm going to say. I'll, I'll go right back to those laws first and foremost. Um, well, you were in Albany. Down. You were in Albany, what, just last week to yeah. discuss yeah. the bail reform. What has to be done there and what has to change? And, you know, you have a, a, opponents of your view that say it's, it's not about that. It's uh, just, you know, it's fine and it has to be carried out differently. What's your take on that? I, I think that we, we provided them, and I was up there with chiefs of police from across New York State with a blueprint to fix this that really is um, well thought out. These two words may surprise you because they've been in short supply the last couple of years, but common sense. Um, that really achieves what everyone wants. I don't think New Yorkers are going to stand for this long term. So what is that plan? You, you have to, you know, take one, one thing at a time. When You have to give judges the ability to keep people in jail. If you don't trust judges, we have far bigger problems. Um, you have to stagger the discovery process. We're in the weeds now, but, you know... you. Can you imagine a world, this is where we are right now, where we have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to comply with the law and hand over information that nobody wants? The defense attorneys at this point are saying too much information. The prosecutors are saying too much information. The judges are saying, you wrote the law, we have to comply with it. We're hiring people in the NYPD and in district attorney's offices and in courts to process information that no one is using. It's insanity. Think of what that money could be used for. So knowing that if arrests are made, one half of 1% will ever go to trial, but we're doing all this work intentionally crafted by people that wanted to blow up the system. And they, and they got what they wanted. And they drove incarceration down. But now you, me, and everyone else is feeling it on the streets. A couple of this, this, this a couple other small things. You know, when you have a kid doing something wrong, of course no one wants him into the criminal justice system at 15, 16, 17. But when he's been arrested four times for guns and now he's shot and killed and the mother is saying, I wish my son was in jail, at least he'd be alive, come to the table and let's make common sense things that here is what you should do with kids. Divert them out of the criminal justice system wherever possible. But when they're diverted out of the criminal justice system, I ask you, where are they going? And right now they're going right back on the street. We create fancy terms like supervised release that are non-existent. We have Zoom conferences to say that we're watching kids. Like you need real mentorship, positive influences, controlled environments where you can divert them out of the criminal justice system, but let's create an area, a camp, where you can give them training, where you can give them schools when they do well with real professionals teaching and being mentors. I mean, you got to do this. You talked about a very disturbing statistic uh, last week on the mayor's uh, briefing. I think I believe it's 10% of 
uh, people under 18 that were arrested were arrested with guns. What do you make of that? How does that happen? You've heard so much about guns the last two years. And, and, you know, the the focus, I just had a police department in this room an hour ago when they were asking similar questions on what we're doing. I would pivot away from the gun. It's the people. And that's where we've missed it recently. And by not having people that are working awfully hard to go to jail, in jail, you're creating an environment on the street where it's a free-for-all. And I believe that you're actually causing some people to carry guns that ordinarily wouldn't. It is not hard to get a gun. That's sad. That's a different discussion. But don't use that discussion to ignore the problems right in front of us where, you know, you have some people, whether it's committing robberies, hate crimes, carrying guns, selling drugs on blocks and everything else. Um, Are kids carrying these guns out of fear or are they carrying guns as part of gangs or is it? Absolutely both. Um, You know, the the gang problem in in New York City um, is something that, you know, we track very closely, right? Um, Despite the city council trying to not have us watch gang members uh, over the last couple of years, which I think is missing the point. You can't ignore the problem. Um, are kids carrying guns because they're scared? Sometimes, you know, we, we hear that directly from kids. Um, are they doing it for gangs and shootings? Yeah. And the sad thing is they're, they're, they're fighting with each other, Juliet, sometimes over nothing. So that's why I would keep coming back to it's not one stop shopping here to fix what's going on. You got to do multiple things and we're going to need help from the laws. But once you kind of get your hands around that, you have to provide positive influences for the kids and you have to give them things to do. I don't think in my heart of hearts that kids want to join a gang. Um, But there's pressures there on the street. I think we know that they want to belong to something. Some of them are, you know, are coming from um, not the best circumstances in their, in their family lives, etc., and they will gravitate to, we're all human beings, we want to belong. we got to create an atmosphere where we give them better options. You were able to reassign your anti-crime unit, in a sense, precinct by precinct, in order to attack the gun issue. Uh, the mayor-elect says he wants to bring the anti-crime unit back. He also wants to put cops back on the beat. Uh, Based on your experience and what you just went through in the backlash with the anti-crime unit, how do you think that can be successfully carried out, or, or, or can it? I think, I think it's become a political issue. Um, I think he absolutely can put you know, people back in plain clothes. I, I don't think it's going to make a difference. Um, honestly, the, the, the officers that are out, we've had 14 police officers shot in the last two years. I don't know if you knew it was that high. Seven last year, seven this year. Um, Going out on the streets of New York City, engaging violent people and taking guns off the street. And 14 times, they've been shot during the course of that. Um, We have made more gun arrests in the last two years than we've seen in probably, Juliet, 25 years. Taking guns off the street right now has become a soundbite. 
um, you know, anti-crime, plain clothes or not, the work, the work is getting done. The problem is absolutely nothing is happening to people when they get caught with a gun. So they go right back on the street, and guess where they are tomorrow? They're on the same corner with another firearm. And we repeat this process. So to turn this into this has anything to do with police officers is, is um, you know, missing the point. And, and you got to attack. If you, the longer we do this, here is what I would say. Um, you know, you can, I said this in Albany. You can't fix the problem. Step one is acknowledge there's a problem with the laws. Um, s- same scenario would go here. We have 5,000 or so open gun arrests across the city. When are they going to be held accountable? I challenged um, a couple reporters last year. Answer this question for me. How many people get transferred from criminal courts in New York City to state prisons on an average month? Look at the data over the last 10 years, and then look at the data for the last year or so as the courts were ground to a halt. Um, it's a combination of courts not working. It's a combination of um, making changes to laws, raise the age, not criminalizing the guns and, and pushing it to family court, diverting them out of the criminal justice system and to give them second, third chances. Like all of this is going on, but. It is, we're paying a price for all those policy and decisions uh, on the front lines. And we went from the place just two years ago where we had days without shootings to, uh, you know, I'll spend 30 minutes in the morning every morning. First thing I do, looking at last night's pages on how many shootings happened across New York City. And, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I know that. And I'm certainly not telling New Yorkers anything that they don't know because they're hearing it and they're living it it's time that we acknowledge the problems and fix it because if you do fix it you can have less incarceration you can have less negative contacts but you have to do it by taking some of the worst of the worst off the street and then you can start really applying that positive pressure to the kids and and letting them flourish so is precision is it precision policing that is targeting as they call the trigger pullers the shooters um how how is that working out and are you able to find locate make cases against people that are committing these crimes yeah it's been um it's been underway for two years during the pandemic um You know, you saw what happened last summer when a backlog of cases were cleared and we saw a bit of a drop in shootings. We're going to have a number of cases come down. I would have liked them to come down (laughs) before December 31st. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But there's a number of very good, solidly built cases. They're going to come down in the near future. But it's not just about violence either, uh, Julia. I mean, look what happened, you know, the, the story in the Post this week. You have tourists coming to New York City and you have pickpockets preying on them. So I see the sign in uh, Rockefeller Center there. There's a big sign on the tree. It says, beware of, of pickpockets. And, and 
you know, that, to me, that's sad. Um, whether you're talking about going shopping in stores and you have shoplifters or you have pickpockets or you have people stealing cars, like that's precision policing. Who are the people that are doing it over and over again? Think of how many victims they're impacting. And, you know, we're catching them and we're basically letting them go. When, when that story came out, I know the pickpocket. I know his history. I know it, his name. You know who this guy is. Know you know. Because I've studied him for close to 10 years now. That is his, his job is to come out and victimize. He's very good. And he has, you know, I would call them side hustles where there are step two and three to these that he will further victimize victims by then creating fake IDs and he'll go and try to drain bank accounts. This is what he does. But we arrest him and let him go and then let more people be victimized and traumatized. And I, and I would say, why? We know what's happening, but we don't have the moral courage to admit that we need to make adjustments to the law. I, I think it's shameful. As I mentioned before, police back on the beat. You've been such a proponent of neighborhood policing. Is that different from police on the beat? And it, it, the mayor-elect is looking to have people literally walk the streets again. Is 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 this a good idea? I don't think. I, it, I think it's a great idea, but we're we're already doing it. I mean, I, I would say that. You know, my antenna usually go up when someone says, "Oh, we're doing that already." So I got to be careful. I'm not, you know, wrong here, but. Cops connecting with communities, I couldn't agree more with, you know, the mayor, um, the mayor-elect. I mean, that's what we have to be doing and building trust. You know, those are staples. He knows that. So he, he's right on that. But you look at what we've done um, here in New York City the last number of years. We introduced neighborhood policing. We have, you know, police officers that re- really work hand-in-hand with communities and own their neighborhoods. When I go to... I mean, my phone rings off the hook every day. Community members advocating for their cops. You should. Pro- they tell me who to promote because I don't know who to promote. Um, they tell me not to transfer certain commanding officers and cops because they, they love their cops. Um, so you, I don't think you get there without putting the work in. And, you know, from one end of New York City to the next... Um, I think we have great relationships with the communities. Is it perfect? It's certainly not perfect. Um, do New Yorkers appreciate and love their cops? Absolutely. You know, if the mayor-elect is saying we have to get back to basics and do that, well, of course we have to continue to do that and do it more. Two final questions. How do you feel you left your mark on the police department and in the city and... You know, usually the president of the United States, before they leave, leaves a letter on the desk for the incoming person. Is that something you would do? And besides maybe a bottle of scotch, you know, on the the drawer, (laughs) the right ear drawer, uh, what would you say to the incoming commissioner? What would you advise about how to police the city, how to deal with the communities? Uh, First of all, let's talk about your... But let's talk about where you feel you left your mark, how you feel you made a difference here. Well, you know I hate those questions. I, I truly do. So Too bad. Yeah, I know. Um, what, a, what a crazy two years it's been, right? So I, I, I think you, you deal with the, the cards that you were dealt. And um, 
I will say, I will not answer the question and pivot away to the men and women of this department. I, I think that they did an incredible job in the toughest circumstances over the last two years, not just here, but across the country. Um, it has been a tough, tough couple years for law enforcement. But I also think, you know, to kind of answer your question, Juliet, if you look where we are now, where we were in, let's say, June, May, June, July of, of 2020, um, uh, it's, it's how you respond to me. And, and I'm very proud of how this department responded and continues to each day. You know, I got a email yesterday, as I always do on staffing. I think the number yesterday was 2044. That sticks in my head. As you know, I, I remember numbers. That's, that's the amount of officers down from the peak. So, you know, working with less officers, with less overtime, in a defund movement. And let's, let's add a degree of difficulty so we'll let all the prisoners out of jail. In everything that transpired with COVID, um, keeping the ship sailing, bumpy at times. We had to bail some water out at times, but very, very proud of, of the work that they did. I will absolutely leave the new commissioner a, a, a note, um, as was left to me. Um, some friendly advice that they do not need, you know, and, and it would be essentially, you know, trust your, trust your gut and, uh, you know, don't try to please everyone because there's no way you're going to. So uh, I'm incredibly optimistic, um, envious in some ways of who's coming in because they're in for the ride of their life. And it's, I feel that I have received more from this job including the last two years, than I could ever give back. So it's nothing but good memories. Where are you taking this? You're retiring. No. Where are you going? My wife would kill me if I retired and stayed home. <laughs> so I'm under strict orders to get a job. Uh, I'm going to be working. I'll take a few weeks off, maybe a month off, and I'll be back to work. So you have something lined up? I have some pretty good possibilities. Oh, congratulations. Well, all the best to you, and I appreciate the time, and um, it's been a pleasure uh, working with you. Thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.